This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. This week, we're joined by very special guests, Nick Layton and Austin Fricker from PBS. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Awesome. I think before we get started, it'd be great if the two of you guys can kind of elaborate a little bit about each of your backgrounds and kind of how you got into the space. Austin, do you want to go first? Yeah. So my name is Austin Fricker. My background's in plant breeding and genetics. So PBS is actually a family-owned business, and I'm third generation coming into that family. So my whole life growing up, I knew I wanted to do something with agriculture. And in undergrad and school, I kind of started to figure out crop science, breeding was sort of what I wanted to do. And then after educational background, and that led me to back into the family business, jumping head first, diving in and bringing what I learned from school and trying to apply it to what we were already doing on the plant breeding side. And so we primarily work with turf and forage grasses and cover crops and a lot of different species, but that's always been our focus area. So with my background in hop breeding from school, we started to look into other kind of unique crops. And then when the farm bill passed for legalizing hemp, essentially decided to use some of the skills I'd learned in hop breeding and jump that into hemp because they're actually cousins. And so we started playing around on the breeding side with hemp, I'd say four years ago now. And uh, that kind of led into production, which led into extraction and led into kind of where we are today. So that's kind of a broad view of me and how we got to where we are now. Nick? Yeah, it sounds great. So I'm the director of marketing for our parent company, which again, Austin touched on on the grass seed world. And like you said, we dove into hemp about four years ago. And so now I oversee the marketing side of Pure Valley Solutions, the hemp division, and kind of work closely with our team on product development and you know branding. Uh, we're kind of unique from the aspect that we do all of our marketing in-house for the, the grass seed world and also in the hemp world. So we're uh, vertically integrated and in, in kind of both in both places. I appreciate that. And I think to continue on that, I would love for either one of you guys to kind of expand on, you know, what PVS does in the space and kind of the unique aspect it can bring to the industry. Yeah, sounds good. So like we pretty much from the breeding side, we're, we're breeding, you know, improved genetics and Austin and the whole team has a lar- large background in that and, and other crops. So improving genetics to we have our own in-house potency testing lab working towards organ accreditation and then our own extraction facility where we're actually extracting the plants. We did our own production work with some local growers. Uh, we have a big network of growers that we work in the grass seed world that we have, you know, decades of, of relationships with. So it was pretty easy to kind of make that switch to, to work with them in the hemp world. And then, um, yeah, right now our, our kind of latest thing is we've come out with our own tincture product for an end user product. And it's pretty cool. I think we are unique in the fact that we grew it, we extracted it, we leased a local dryer to actually manage it and dry the product. We extracted it ourselves, we bottled it ourselves, we made the label, we did everything. So, you know, kind of taking it to the next level of farm to bottle or uh, just kind of knowing your your source throughout the entire chain uh, was was all us. So, um, you know, we kind of tip our hat to that. And we think that's pretty cool. And it's allowed us to kind of offer a low cost quality product. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm really interested in kind of diving into the product. It's Definitely one of my favorite in the space. And as I get constantly asked for recommendations, it's 
one of the first ones off that I recommend. It's a common product that I use. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast together. It's because I really, really enjoy it. And it's, it's kind of opened my eyes to the different capabilities and kind of adding it into my daily life. It's really helped me a lot. So I think before we move there, I want to kind of give a better understanding to our listeners. We recently had someone in the cannabis space come on and break down what it's like to grow cannabis. And we know hemp and cannabis are very similar plants, but are grown completely different. So take us through the harvest season and what it's like from a total amount of biomass recently harvested and operationally. What does that look like? It was massive huge task to take on and there were a lot of unknowns going into it so we were kind of problem solving as we went we grew just over 100 acres which in most agricultural crops that doesn't sound like anything but for this the amount of crop we're harvesting and the way we had to process it it was a huge task so for the bulk of what we harvested we were chopping the entire plant so we got everything from the bottom of the stock all the way to the top the whole plant is going into what we harvested And then we had to take that very quickly from the field where we chopped it to a dryer. And we were using um, large-scale industrial hop dryers. So this massive building that's built around these gas burners that are blowing hot air into this huge open area so that the heat gets evenly distributed over the space where the wet product is lying. And it's it's kind of mind-boggling to just look at going from the field into these giant drying bins and then out how it even happened, like looking back at <laughs> what we did, it's still kind of mind blowing to me that we were able to do it. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a massive process for figuring out how to do it. We were pretty successful. We had to jump over a few hurdles, but we got all hundred acres harvested successfully stored in a safe area. And then we, we got going on the extraction process, which for us was also a new arena. We did a lot of research in the year, year or two leading up to it. But um, extraction was just a whole new ballgame for us as well. So, Nick, you want to talk a little bit about the extraction side and that process? Yeah, I could say it's, it's you know, I think for anyone diving into it, um, especially prior to the level that we did, even though we've, we literally work with hundreds of growers on thousands of acres of grass seed. And this crop being kind of unique in the fact that, it's, you know, 100 acres was a big undertaking. Again, yeah. Austin telling that story, I had some flashbacks of just how that all went down. That was good <laughs> and bad, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I think Austin and I are, I think we're closer because of that experience together. Um, but anyways, yeah. And, and then, you know, the next step is, so we, we were successful. We got it harvested, you know, it was a team effort there, got it stored and then yeah, moving to extraction again, you know, and actually worked with Kellen on a lot of that as well. And, with his guidance and our team, just, you know, again, just kind of figuring it out, to be honest, um, you know, figuring out how, how can we utilize this technology? Is there ways that we can, you know, improve the quality and can we, can we improve the yield and, and throughput and stuff like that? And so just like you say, and yeah, it's, it's, it's we're excited and like, you know, to um, Brian's point earlier that uh, we feel like coming up with a, an end user product like the tincture and getting the feedback that we've received similar to Brian's testimony earlier is just kind of a, a pat on our back and pretty exciting that we've, we kind of were a part of that process all the way to the end. Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once again, no more excuses. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. So, Kellen, I want you to expand on the 100 acres because I don't think Nick and Austin did a good enough job of really emphasizing how hard of a challenge that is. And I, I think for the listeners at home, can you kind of share on exactly how big of an undertaking that is? Yeah, no, I think, um, so I worked on, uh, I worked for a company that was vertically integrated in the cannabis side of things and they are one of the larger players. I think they grew maybe like 50 acres last year. And when I was working for them, they were growing 20 acres of cannabis, right. Which that's a lot of weed. Right. And when they were talking about harvesting, it was coordinating, I think maybe like 15 or 20 seasonal migrant workers on chopping the plants down. Versus I think Nick and Austin were coordinating like multiple semi trucks, right? So like <laughs> the scale of the operation is just completely different from cannabis versus hemp, right? And I think that that's something that doesn't get enough credit in the, in the, in the spaces and how they really are separate, right? And so it was wild. I was actually out there uh, on site with them watching it. And it was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen in terms of how they were logistically getting the biomass to get dried up right after it was harvested. And, and you got to think like they're out in Oregon too, right? And it was rainy. And so like <laughs> the rain probably wasn't helping the drying process and it's already humid. So like <laughs> it, was, it was wild, the amount of variables that they were fighting. How many people does that take? Oh man. Um, the chopping and the drying all basically happens within a 24 hour period. So I'd say on the chopping side is four or five people and then a big tractor doing most of the work. We had one crew that had 10 to 12 guys out there cause they were trying to chop every last little branch to make sure they got the whole plant. And then in the dryer, so we were taking in 40 to 50,000 wet pounds a day and spreading that out by hand on these dryers. I think we had a crew of was it like eight people, Nick. Yeah. So literally by hand, taking this wet crop and spreading it out into the drying floors. So it was hard work. And that dryer is 120 degrees or something the whole time. And material's heavy and wet. And people are tired, working long shifts. And we're going 24-7, I think, for two and a half months. Wow. I mean, besides the fact that, like, operationally, that's a huge undertaking, right? Like, just organizationally and just putting together the logistics of coordinating the people and then efficiently running that is such an insane kind of thought process. And then to add the extraction side on top of that, I mean, I tip my hat to you guys for kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together and really kind of putting out the product that is the end point. That is a kind of like a end determination of the whole goal, which is like the farm to the tincture, as you described. And to kind of get into that, was that an original thought? Was that something that just kind of came up naturally? You know, kind of take us through the origin of how the product was originally formed and, you know, the future roadmap for, for that. You want to take that, Nick? Um, yeah. So I think, as we all kind of know, the, the industry, we had a lot of people jump into it, you know, and we were kind of one of them. We might have been a little earlier than some and a little later than others. And I think we kind of were just looking at the industry and from the, the wholesale side, I think there's so much available and so much crude oil uh, available. That was kind of our original play as well. And we had to sort of pivot due to just the, the supply and demand. And obviously, you know, you see products for end users all over the place. So that, that market also is a saturated to a certain point. So 
we kind of, and we've been working on this, this tincture product for a while now. We didn't want to just, you know, put something together and get it out there. This has been months of work as well of how can we enter that space and can we provide a product that's either, you know, unique or, or better in, in some way. And, and we did that, you know, intentionally by doing a lot of tastings and coming up with the right formulation and, and looking at, you know, using a full spectrum oil to, you know, keep all the different compounds of the plant and try to be kind of that closest least separation from the plant and um, keep as many properties of the plant in the oil. And, and that's kind of what came together to, to form um, the CBD tincture that we have today. And I think that's perfect because the question that was submitted today for the listener question was to kind of expand on the differences between the full spectrum and the broad spectrum. I think sometimes that kind of gets just slid under the, the label. And I think as a user, when you're selecting a product, you should have a better understanding of kind of what's included in it. So I would love to kind of get your feedback on just the basic understanding on the two differences and, you know, what people can look for in, in making a more well-informed purchase decision. Yeah. So what I tell, you know, family and friends who are kind of asking about the differences and, and Kellen can maybe give a better scientific answer to this, but I try to keep it very simple of, you know, our product, just think about it. If you were to just extract all the oils of the plant, we don't refine it further than that. We're pretty much just pulling out the, the oils that we can in our extraction process and then formulating a tincture by adding MCT oil, organ grown spearmint, if that's the flavor that we're, you know, working with and a broad spectrum product. And you know, I think there's a few different ways you can go about that, but they're probably starting with a similar process. They're refining it to a distillate. And then they may be isolating the THC out of that, which would be, you know, a broad spectrum. I mean, that's probably the, the, the most normal process to get there. Um, so they're just removing that one can that um, one cannabinoid of THC out, meaning it has most everything else, but no THC. And there might be some other things that they remove out during that process. I don't know if Kellen wants to touch on that's a close there enough explanation. Is. No, I think you did an excellent job explaining the process of remediating the oil. And it's a big a big uh, topic in the industry because when they are remediating it, they are pulling out other phytocannabinoids that could be potentially provide benefit. And I think that a lot of the, I don't think a lot of the research out there right now shows that the combination of all of the cannabinoids, right. Actually provides the most medical benefit, right? So when you start to mess with what nature already put together naturally, I think that that's where you can kind of get into the gray area. It's either you go straight to, pharmaceutical, which is just one single cannabinoid as a drug, right? Or you just don't mess with it, right? That's that's just my personal opinion on on that uh, topic. But you did a good job explaining exactly the difference between broad spectrum and full spectrum. And it's an interesting topic right now, just because of regulations. What would the name be when all the cannabinoids play nicely together? The entourage effect. Beautiful. I think we don't expand <laughs> on that enough. And I was looking for that in your, in your kind of go. I, I think that's... So I, did I pass? You did really well. I was hoping I would have got that before I asked, but you were right there. But I figured I, we needed to add that in because I, I don't think that's understood. And I think that's going to be a real big finding. And I think someone that you know grabs one of your products is going to really enjoy one of those benefits that I certainly do. And it's definitely helped me open my eyes of these are the type of products that I like. And I think these are the reasons why. So before we hop into the prediction time, we have two questions we ask all of our guests. The first one being... If you could sum up your experience in the cannabinoid space into one main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would that be? 
Austin, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, are you talking like on the consumer level or just my experience? Or? Your personal experience in the cannabinoid space, one main lesson could be from anything through your experience in this industry. I would say do your research would be the, the number one thing. Um, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So definitely put in the hard work and research and make sure you're doing everything right or that what you're using has been, the process was done right to get you what you're using. Well said. Nick? Yeah, it's a, I think he kind of read my mind and stole mine. Um, but I can kind of go on on through that a little bit more. But yeah, just uh, I agree. I feel like there's a lot of people I've talked to now that we have a, an end user product that they maybe because of not doing their research and just trying, you know, one product and not maybe getting the experience that they were looking for from that one product. But if you ask them a question about that product, they can't answer any questions you ask them about it. So that one experience might kind of have them off to the whole industry, which, you know, may not be the case. They may be, if they knew the research and first and tried that product and understood that product was this, and there's also other products out there, um, maybe they'd be more encouraged and find something that works for them. Or, you know, maybe there's just, this isn't for them, but definitely the, the whole research piece from, if you're diving it, into it from a business perspective or interested in, in trying a hemp derived product. Last time, Either of you consumed any cannabinoid product last night? So that's a funny question for me. So I'm <laughs> doing my own little experiment for just the fun of it, just for my own personal takeaway, where I'm filling a capsule of our tincture product, 15 of those and 15 with olive oil, a placebo. And I'm taking one every night and documenting how I feel from that. And my, my, um, my smartwatch is collecting how I slept and stuff. So there's a 50% chance I took CBD last night. <laughs> if you're looking for yeah, I can usually answer that with certainty, but uh, Austin probably didn't even know I'm doing that. He's like, wow, Nick's losing it. Austin's the research guy and I want to be the research guy. So that's my, my, it's my personal research project for the year. You're giving yourself to science and that's really, really commendable. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for some outside help, I'm sure Kellen and I'd be happy to oh, give ourselves go. for science. We might want some different type of products where maybe no placebos, straight CBD, <laughs> but it's another question. All right. So, subject one and two. Okay, got it. <laughs> perfect. Before we wrap though, what's the future for PBS look like in the cannabinoid space? That's a big question. I think we're really excited about the Stinkture program that we're launching. I think that has a lot of room to grow. Huge runway in front of it. Um, we have tons of quality product that can go into it. So excited to see where that takes it. We're, our core is always research first. So we're going to continue to work on breeding new varieties that work well for farmers and that produce good products for consumers. So that's always going to be our core, whether that be on the breeding or the product development. And then our lab is working towards accreditation. I, don't, I think Nick mentioned that earlier. So we're really excited about that. We're already using it internally to check product constantly, probably almost too thoroughly. We're constantly testing to make sure that what we're doing is we're getting what we expect to get out of it. So we're excited to open up the lab to other farmers in the area and whoever might be interested in using the lab. So I think those are the main three three places we're focused on going forward. Nick, do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I, mean, I think he kind of nailed it for our main core competencies. But, uh, you know, kind of to make touch on like that product development, it took us a long time to come up with a product that we were, you know, very excited about. And again, the, the initial feedback has been great. And so I kind of kind of spin it back to you guys with your, you know, viewership and stuff. You know, we have some of our, our biomass is high in CBG and potentially coming, coming out with a CBD plus CBG. And, you know, we're already kind of playing with some formulations. Do you guys feel like 
that is there's interest there and no, totally. And I think that we actually covered this in our monthly playbook. Uh, this month, is it was an interesting topic, right? Um, because as you guys are probably well aware, there's the whole Delta 8 that's emerged out of the CBD kind of industry as a means to liquidate some of the um, surplus of CBD isolate. And so we kind of looked at a lot of the, the numbers from the past year associated with Delta 8 and... CBG as just from a wholesale perspective, as well as some of the medical benefits. And what we advised was that it seems like CBG is going to be a, a much, it's already more stable from a pricing standpoint over the last year, right? As well as there seems to be significantly more scientific evidence that supports the medical benefits of that cannabinoid versus Delta 8, I think is more of a a loophole cannabinoid for states that refuse to legalize um, cannabis right now. And so it's uh, a means for them to provide a legal, legal with parentheses, right? I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a legal means to, for the, the consumer to get high, right? What's your stance on CBG, Brian? I want you to take one step back though and kind of explain where CBG is versus CBD. I know CBD is like the super popular cannabinoid that everyone hears about and sometimes gets associated with the end all beyond. As we know, the, the plant has a plethora of cannabinoids and CBG is a really hot one and, and one that I think we all agree in this room, it's going to be a really big growth one. So Kellen, can you kind of expand on where CBG is in its relation to CBD from a plant stand? So it's the precursor to CBD in the metabolic pathway, right? So CBD is made from CBG, right? When the plant makes these cannabinoids, it's got, this is almost the very end of that pathway where it can either make CBD or THC. And then that line is the difference between cannabis and hemp, essentially, right? And so CBG is a precursor to those uh, cannabinoids within that, that metabolic pathway. As far as it's place in the consumer world right now. It's definitely um, underappreciated just because the strains that make that cannabinoid are a lot, they're more rare. Is that, is that right? The way, right? English more rare. <laughs> exclusive. More rarer. Are they rarer? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that means that at the end of the day, there's not a lot, there's not, there's significantly less CBG out there in the world than there is CBD right now based on the crops that were available from a genetic standpoint. And so there just hasn't been as much education associated with CBG, but some of the, the research coming out is actually showing that CBG does everything that CBD does, but better as well. And so um, there's actually patents, I'm pretty sure that some pharmaceutical companies own on CBG as a potential anti-cancer treatment, right? I know it's got anti-inflammatory properties. There's a, there's a, a ton of, there's a huge list of benefits that anecdotally CBG provides. And so I do think that as the consumer market becomes more educated, right? And as the science catches up with these anecdotal claims that CBG will potentially be the molecule that everyone is talking about over CBD in the future as the true wellness that uh, is coming from the hemp plant. I think that's really well said. I think it's definitely still early. And I think education is massively needed in this space. And like you said, Nick, it's really important that users do their research and understanding what they're consuming because at the end of the day, a user could try a product that's not produced by a well-trusted brand, might have a bad experience, might deter him from trying in the future. 
Same thing might happen where they might try CBD product looking for it to solve a certain recovery aspect or certain inflammation aspect and just might not be there. And maybe what they're looking for is a different type of formulation and maybe one that's more heavily CBG related. So I think from the educational standpoint, go out there and try products. That's the fun part, right? Like you're doing Nick. I mean, not everyone's afforded that sort of fun opportunity, but try some products, support brands that look like they're trusted based on the relationships around and the ones that are doing the right things like your company. I think we're really excited to partner with you guys in these areas because we've seen what you're doing. We understand the process and the and the relationships and the resources you put in and the, the trust and the reliability that goes into the products that are drive, which is I think why we're so excited for the future for PBS. So appreciate you guys taking the time. And for all those that want to get in touch, you know, where can they find you? Probably easiest just online is just at purevaluesolutions.com. And like I say, we're going to kind of continue to update, um, you know, if there's new products coming out with, you know, like CBG and stuff. So that's probably the easiest place. And we have our own social medias on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the, all the main ones there. So, uh, yeah, check us out and any questions or ideas, you know, I'd love to hear from your viewership as well. So again, appreciate the time. Anyone that wants to be a part of Nick and Austin's study to get products, take it night to submit it there and they'll take applications. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send you some uh, empty gelatin capsules in the mail. You, you know, go buy a, t- go buy a PVS tincture. You got to fill it yourself <laughs> and fill up your olive oil. I tried water at first, but water doesn't work in a water soluble, I think, uh, a gelatin capsule. So it's a little bit of a, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun having you guys on. Appreciate the time, Nick and Austin. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Guys, appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.